Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, I'd buy Warm up, big stars and jacks. I'm Tim Greg Pappas on the board. He's usually our guest on Monday, but he's, he's pit, pitching in for a couple of producers that are on uh, different directions I'm for uh, spring break. You're with us. What? Uh, how come the spring break is like there's like four different weeks and people are on spring break? It's not just one week anymore? I'm thinking that's on purpose. More vacation for teachers, maybe? Oh, uh, God. <laughs> there, there's a shot across the bow at something. Oh. Uh, the, uh, Steamed over here. Yeah. Any, anyway... We should have Mr. Flanagan in in a second. We should have uh, either Kevin or Mike calling in regarding the NCAA's. And uh, I don't know, Greg, you heard this morning that uh, how people find this out, I have no idea. But people just know more people picked these teams to lose their first game than to be in the Final Four. Uh, I think it's what in the Final Four they've got a four, two fives, and a nine. Well, That's we got a, UConn is the highest at eighty at four. I can't get over how they they spank Gonzaga. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I thought Gonzaga was going to be. I mean, they won by almost thirty points. That was uh, drill down and dress down. Or yeah, and then Florida Atlantic—they were during nine seed, so they're you know they're somewhat legitimate. You know, they—they they are really athletic, in my opinion. They can move and they pass yeah. well. Well, obviously they—they're they're not. And they a, were favored too in that game. I think they were—they started as a point dog or two point dogs, and they finished as like uh, two point favorites. So they were, they were favorites over a three. They were favorites. Yeah, that was surprising. What uh, and under Miami uh, ended up beating Texas after being down thirteen. Yeah. And what what did you make it a San Diego State uh, foul call? That was, I I saw it both ways, so I don't really care. But how can you see it both ways? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I didn't have too much of a problem with it. it's the whole tournament. Is the refs aren't great in college anyway? Well, I I all I ask for is somewhat of a consistency. You know they. That game was physical as all get out, and they only called 15 fouls the whole game. Yeah, normally there's like 10 fouls in the last five minutes. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, they, then they called that one. Right. Well, when the guy, I think the ref thought he he hit his arm. <laughs> yeah, he definitely thought so. <laughs> and he didn't. <laughs> it was a little uh, little obscured, I guess. And then, uh, but it turns out he hit he had his hand just resting on the guy's hip. I mean, really? Yeah. Uh, I guess some of them get frustrated about that. Or maybe he told them earlier in the game, he said, don't do that, and then he was no. kept doing it. No, I mean, it. the idea that you that you let a game go to that extent, and then you call that one on the last play, I... <laughs> and then you'll see other games where guys are totally undressed on the last play, and they go, ah, oh, you know, it's got to let them play the last minute. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but... And the guy it almost... I thought, I'm pretty sure he's going to blow the second free throw if he missed the first one by a mile. Yeah. <laughs> College. Yeah. College. Well, Those are not... They're... You know, you're lucky to see people above 80%. 
Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of rare to see that. Well, not, they, they got so, some good shooters, but... So what do you think of the big, uh, the big bank merger? You know, I was hoping to get your opinion because I'm in... I was thinking the bank would be purchased for maybe, you know, six or ten billion dollars the weekend of and try to get all those deposits. I think there was a hundred eighty billion worth of deposits that was, you know, juicy for someone, especially a big bank or something. Well, I think there's a there's a few things here that are not like your normal bank. Um, one thing is the deposits. We're talking about a deposit group that twenty five percent of them can leave in two hours. <laughs> that's that's everywhere, Chief. Uh no. There's there's no way that people have that kind of you could never uh, go over to Lakeside Bank and have a few people have that much of the deposits. We're talking about you know, maybe Kevin will know this if he calls in. Eighty seven percent of the deposits were not insured, which means they're they're over two hundred and fifty grand. I, I, I have to think that I don't know, there there can't be many banks that are like that. I might say there's I'd be surprised there's any that are like that, but You don't think so? No. What if you got spooked? Could you pull, you know, twenty million dollars out of couple your PTI bill, account? Couple of bill, couple of bill. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, uh, I don't think I. I think I'd be in the in the first group. I'd be the I'd be the insured group. Let's put it that way. Ah. Um, you know, all the rest is in stocks, right? And you know, in buildings. But anyway, the uh, I think it's very unusual. So their deposit base. So anyway, this just the, the this the outlines of the deal are: a first assistant bank purchased. Uh, Seventy-two billion of Silicon Valley Bank assets at a discount of sixteen point five billion. So that means they paid what fifty-five-five for seventy-two billion. Now assets, for those of you that know or that are about to know, start from the top. And for for a bank, you're to, you go in the bank, you put in a hundred bucks. That is now a liability to the bank. They owe you. For those of you that haven't taken double entry accounting, they owe you, and they turn around and lend. 80 bucks to Greg, that 80 bucks that they lent, Greg owes them, that's an asset. All right, so when you say you purchase assets, you're buying loans, you're buying, you know, and it could be U.S. government bonds, could be God knows what, but they're they're in the asset side of the balance sheet. They're not the liability. The liabilities are the deposits. All right, so they bought those assets for 50, what did I say, 55.5 billion. But here's the weird part a further 90 billion in securities and other assets will remain in receivership. For disposition by the FDIC. In other words, these are loans they either couldn't value or maybe they were, I don't think they're the government bonds. I wonder if they're, that, that's a real high number, Greg. I, Silicon Valley uh, mortgages. Um, <laughs> maybe. You know, I, but I mean, the one chunk was, a, what, $57 billion of it was a, a, a mortgage thing from Goldman Sachs, wasn't it, or something? I, I think the 72 is a discount. So yeah, that's, that's a discount. I'm saying. 90? I'm curious to figure out what's on what side here, which ones they took and which ones they didn't. Because I mean, the idea that there's there's no price for this other ninety billion. I think I think we know which one they took. <laughs> well, it could it could just be just the ninety billion could be the federal bonds that that they were they weren't willing to sell at a discount to somebody. Uh, morning, Todd. Hey, John. How are you? Hey, Greg. Good morning, John. To you in too. the house. We're, we're walking through this deal here, John, pointing out the. Uh, um, I would I would say the peculiarities of it because this is somewhat of a peculiar deal. Uh, first of all, I mean, for regular people, I'm, I'm going to dig down here again. I'll start at the bottom here. We're trying to figure out what exactly they bought and and what it's what it's worth to them. Um, and the reason why I asked that they the 17 former branches. I'll, I'll skip to the end here. 
17 former branches of Silicon Valley Bridge Bank National Association will open as First Citizens Bank and Trust Company on Monday, March 27th. By the way, that's today. So, in other words, you, you drive up there now. They're now open, and they're going to be... Um, the question is, how, how how quickly, if at all, can these guys, the people that are in that bank, turn around and just be like a regular bank? You know, a, a, just another branch. I guess, you know, if you've got the branches and you've got the new name on there, it might happen pretty quick, or is there going to be a lingering... I don't think that the new guys want this thing then to be anything part of the of the group that was in the other plank. They, the question is how 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 much can you how quickly can you turn around? Uh, oh, if these guys ended up if they paid uh, seventy two billion, and if it's sixteen point five discount, and then they ended up with seventeen branches, boy, and you know, depending on the branch, boy, that's that's pretty good if you got the buildings and everything else. I mean, I don't know how much they're all worth, but I mean, or what the what the property's like. But it sounds like they didn't get a horrible deal. Plus the $90 billion that they didn't want, they didn't have to take. So I'm going to say I would love to be in these new guys' spot here. I think they got one hell of a deal. I mean, just because probably nobody else wanted it, they were able to name their own terms. But, uh, you know, 17 buildings is a lot, I think. And the question well, is, how bad is the bad name going to last? I, I don't think very long, John. What do you think? I don't, I don't, you know, it would seem to me that one of the biggest obstacles would be in meshing you know, the systems end of it with electronic record keeping, which in my experience, when banks have merged or if, you know, any kind of change, if a credit card gets handed over to some other facility, you know about it six months in advance. There's plenty of time you know, to get the rollout date working with everything. It, it seems to me that from, from a system standpoint, if you can you know, change the name of everything, change the authorizations, change all the, the depositor information in a way that you can seamlessly open over a weekend under some other name. <laughs> I mean, it kind of boggles my mind that that can happen ever seamlessly in such a short time period. Um, and it just if you were to do this in any other way, if you had 17 branches, let's say, and you were going to um, reconfigure them, close some, combine them with others, whatever, the, the real estate end of it alone and the cost involved would be substantial. But when you just magically alter the bank's identity and all of a sudden we have a, a new thing here and everybody's on board with it, it that there's something about that that rubs against me. Well, it's uh, it's probably more of a, of a Kevin question and maybe we'll hear from him. But, right, yeah. but you know, the thing is, John, they, they, they do it all the time. So I mean, if if you know, it could be a small bank anywhere that all of a sudden on a Friday has a really big loan go bad or something that opens to somebody else on a Monday. I mean, it's not like this is a. I, my my guess is, and I'm not the systems guy that Kevin is, but my guess is you continue to use the old systems. That you're going to use your old checks, and they're still going to clear through the Federal Reserve, and and you're gonna, you, the bank's going to essentially have, for lack of a better term, two numbers. I mean, the same thing would happen would happen to us if we picked up a smaller firm. Uh, they would still have a clearing number that I guess you would somehow use for a while until you merge the two, right? I mean, if somebody did a stock overnight at the old place, it's still going to have to clear, right? Even it's probably going to yeah. probably going to clear their old their old clearing number before they became PTIs. But I, mean, I don't know if the banking is, is the same as we would be. But I'm going to say that the old the old checks are still good as of today and everything else. Oh, I mean, sure. And you know, I, when I bank to LaSalle National Bank, which was locally owned for a long time, then ABN, the Dutch firm took it over, and then finally Bank of America, who has it now. 
but my account has been at the same institution since the 70s. And yet the, the routing number for some of my direct deposits from before the Bank of America consolidation is different from the one that's on my current Bank of America checks. And yet the deposits still go through, but there's two, two different routing numbers, um, which I've always wondered, well, is this an efficient way of doing business where you've got the same institution with, with different... I think it's probably uh, pretty easy. You would think after 10 years, you, after 10 years, you could pony up for some new checks. Oh, well, it, it's, it's, I mean, the checks are current. Oh. But what, <laughs> what, I, I did, what I didn't do was change over the routing information for, for pension payments, which were started before you know, everything was finalized with the acquisition. So, and I've never, I mean, I, I think it could be done easily enough, you know, online or whatever to get the routing information changed. But I was told at the time by, Bank of America people, oh, there's no need to change the routing information for that number. That will still continue to work for all of your deposits. But that routing number, you know, the ABA number is a different one from what's on the checks that I just had printed two weeks ago. So I don't know. I mean, there must be more of this than I'm aware of. I never had experience except for this example that I'm giving you. But I got to believe that there's all sorts of strange anomalies like this throughout the system, and yet everything seems to function. I would, okay. I would, I would bet that there's, in, in, a, in a good year, and banks that just reach out a little bit or have areas where there maybe a plant closed in their town or something. I'm going to guess, John, this happens dozens of times a year, not at this magnitude. Yeah, and I think the magnitude is what's concerning about this, and especially if this becomes, you know, a more frequent phenomenon where where big, you know, crises like this happen overnight, and somebody has to punt pretty fast on it. Um, you know, I don't know how well the system can absorb those kinds of shocks when they're that big and they're that frequent, uh, but maybe we'll be finding out pretty soon. Well, I mean, if, I think if you have a situation where, and I'll go back to my south side roots, I mean, if it's the first national of Evergreen Park, which, you know, obviously I bought a couple times, but at, at one point, I think they took over, was it an Emirates saving that? I think they took over the, the first national of Oklahoma. I think I'm not. I'm not positive. I think they did, or Bridgeview, or someplace. I'm going to say, John, that the that the the the, the normal customer, both on the loan side and on the deposit side, on both places, was damn near similar. Yeah. I mean, this particular place with their pretty much high end. I mean, I I, I doubt very much if like Roku is going to keep millions of dollars in the new place. So. Your your view of how many depositors? I mean, some people are going to leave just because something happened to the place, right? There's going to be people that have you know five grand in their checking account. They're going to say, you know, I'm out of here or something. But maybe most won't. Uh, but it's it's not your normal group of people. I mean, like I, I think because I think the average average deposit account was probably way higher than a normal bank, and well, obviously forty percent of them left in two hours. So, I mean, how do you how do you how sticky you would think the rest of them are without somebody demanding that the loans stay there. You know, I don't know. So you don't have that anymore, right? You don't have the people right. who... So I don't think anybody's going to demand that the loans stay with these new guys. So how you... It took probably a long time to value this, but here's... They must have thought they'd give these guys a pretty good deal, but th- get a load of this. Who the hell wrote this article before I quote the poor person? Uh, Elliot Smith. Okay, so it says here that the... Uh, in addition, FDIC received equity appreciation rights in First Citizens Bank Shares, Inc., Raleigh, North Carolina, common stock with a potential value up to $500 million. So they got, 
It must have been a good enough deal where they said, you got to give us a piece, <laughs> right? But what I'm really, I'm really curious, John, is, is which, which are the assets they bought and which are the ones they didn't. I wonder, I, you know, my, my suspicion is, and this is totally just a suspicion, that the, uh, the new guys said, well, we'll pay you 25 or 75 cents on the buck for the 20- and 30-year U.S. bonds. And the FDI said, no, we're, we're going to keep those and just let them go up because we've got a, a 25- or 30-year time span. We're not, we're not going to sell you those at a discount. I might, it would be my guess, but I could be totally wrong. It could be other loans that they're in the ninety billion that they can't even value. What do you think? I mean, I, I think I think it, it definitely involves some kind of horse trading at that level, and this is maybe why. Um, I mean, these, these are the glitches that are most likely to slow down or or you know cause trouble later on if there's disputes because that will be litigated at some point. What was the valuation of asset so and so on such and such a date, um, and who's owed what when all the dust settles? And I think there's there's probably been a lot of that in the last three weeks, and maybe other institutions who are looking at, at facing the same kind of breakup or consolidation. Um, wh- what really do we have? What is its value? What's what's going to happen to it? Is it something we can bank on? Meaning, is is it something worth hanging on to or giving to preferred people or holding out for a better deal with with some other bank in the meantime? I I just think that. Um, there's, there's so much that is going to be involved in what's good for whomever. And I I don't know about where the depositors will fall into this camp. I, I suspect um, the FDIC is probably looking at it, as you say, well, we, we can live with this. We're not going to sell this at you know, bargain basement rates today. We don't have to. Uh, or you know, in, uh, other people are going to say, well, <laughs> what other choices do you have, though? And I think if they want to keep these banks operating, over a weekend so that they just reopen and everything's cool. Um, there's stuff that has to be put aside for a later date um, while they thrash it out. And they don't want this to be consuming the headlines in the meantime because that's just going to drive the stock down further and whatever the surviving corporation is. But this can't be something that they fix quickly or easily. Here's so, a question <laughs> for you guys. Um, how does a less than a billion dollar market cap company somehow be the only one to bid on the company that was supposedly worth, you know, six, six billion or something a couple of weeks ago. Good question. Is don't you think like someone, J.P. Morgan? Or well, someone, somebody bought the uh, European piece, right, right, right out of the gate. Bunch or whatever. Yeah, there was a. But this is still what the half of the loan portfolio. Or well, I mean, it has to be somebody who the. Uh, I'm looking at the... Uh, FIZN is their ticker. I was looking. They look like they're very well run. They've got a... You know, yeah, I mean, I think they are. But but I'm wondering, what, what? why are they special? I mean, what were they first in the line? Or what? why wouldn't just I, Bank of America push them out of the way and say, we're doing this? I, you know, I think I think Bank of America might be too big to do something like this. It'll all come out to... I think they already have over 10% or whatever it is while you're, while you're looking over there. What's the... What's the Max amount of deposits somebody's supposed to have is under that. Deposits. Well, there's supposed to be nobody's supposed to be. I think over eight or ten percent of the total deposits in the country. I think all four big banks are. So I'm not so sure they're or even in the running in that regard. So they wouldn't even be able. to? Well, I mean, I, they probably could do it, and they'd let them do it. But it would be all it would do is put a spotlight on how, how how too big they already are. I mean, in Chicago, I think immediately, I think Northern Trust and. 
their market cap is like twenty billion. Yeah, but okay, but I'm saying what what, ha- what has to happen here? There's some at some level the the bank taking them over. I mean, kick me if I'm wrong here, both of you guys. But the, at, at some level, I mean, it, it's, let's put it this way: if it's the First National Bank of Palatine sitting there and they've got their people and they've got they know just how many the little ladies and guys come in every Saturday and put their stuff in there and how many people get their Social Security check, all that kind of crap, and all of a sudden the the next bank over, you know, the, the First National Bank of Mount Prospect or somebody, or, or Rolling Meadows or somebody, is, have, has a problem with a couple of big loans they maybe shouldn't have given or a plant closed or whatever. They can look at the rest of the bank and they say, okay, we've got five buildings. These guys got five buildings. It sure looks to me like the people waiting in line at the drive-thru are the same people. Uh, by the way, you know, the, our average our average uh, it is individual account is 10000 Theirs is nine five. You know, they got these many plumbing loans, these many car loans. You can value that place real easy. Weren't they on the other side of the country, though? Well, these guys have a bunch of bran- uh, branches in Massachusetts. So maybe these guys have decided, boy, we'd really like to expand our base out of Carolina. So they're saying what we really want is to buy three buildings in Massachusetts. How the hell do we do that? Well, here's our opportunity. And so you tell the FDIC, if you, if you eat these $90 billion in bonds... And these other 72 we think are pretty good. And uh, by the way, we'll give you $16 billion less than that in case they're not. So we'll give you $56 billion for $72 billion out of loans. And we know half these deposits, well, 40% are already gone. And some of the rest are... 40% are already gone. And then, the, and then there's another significant chunk that are... Right. They're, all their accounts might be under some stress for the next couple of years. I mean, you've got to expect more of those to outflow. Okay, but what I'm saying is if you, th- if you think you're going to break even... At the sixteen billion dollar number on the on the loans, all right. But it, you say okay, sixteen. But and somebody gives you essentially a footprint in California and in Massachusetts to develop your own brand without having to go out and buy a piece of property, build a building, all that stuff. That's that's worth a real lot. And it's up to you to say okay, we've got three, four, five bran- branches in, in Boston. We're now going to sell our own brand like the other place didn't even exist. But now we got a big head start. I think that's the way you have to look at it, right, John? Yeah. And, Tom, is there any priority placed on transparency when things are happening at this level? I mean, it's one thing <laughs> if banks are negotiating at an arm's length deal funny, between funny, banks. Funny you should mention that, John. I have, I've mentioned this on the air a couple times, but I was at a uh, seminar with uh, the people from Mesro, and they asked me to go out and speak about protecting portfolios and stuff with options and whatever, the different correspondents that had no idea what I was talking about, basically, but... I think some people maybe started doing it, but anyway, there was a member. Was it Melissa Bean? Yeah. Uh, this is this is right in the middle of the 2008 fiasco. We were losing like four and five banks a weekend, right? And I said to her, I go, you know, uh, these banks are happening every weekend. I said, my guess is, I know your background. I actually did some research on her background. Um, I said, I know your background. I, I I think you would be probably happier if there were more banks, not less. And she goes, oh, absolutely. I said, yet they're basically falling like flies every weekend. And it looks to me like people are essentially picking them off with the best deals on earth. And I said, you know, other than, what what if I, I got some people together and we raised, you know, 20 million bucks, which, you know, we probably could if we wanted to. Uh, I don't do that, but, I mean, I guess the listeners, if we thought we could buy a nice bank, would. Um, anyway, so I said, you know, 
every month or six months, there's a group of three people from each side of the aisle sit down and review some of these deals. It looks to me like they're they're pretty damn good. I mean, is somebody sitting on somebody's lap or, or is somebody getting paid off? I mean, what's the deal? She looks at me like I had three hits. She goes, why would we ever review them? I said, well, looks to me like somebody's bought 12 buildings and $10 trillion worth of deposits for like 50 cents. I mean, if, if, I, if I had $20 million and I, could I put my, and I gave, told you that we were interested in being part of this process, that the next time when somebody says, we'll bid $5 million for this, we might just say, we'll bid six. And she looked at me and said, well, no, you, you can't do that. <laughs> in other words, it's, it's only the people that seem to be in the know and the people that are, I don't, as, as to what, you know, you're, you're asking me, who the hell did the people from this bank in uh, Carolina call at the FDIC and said at some level we'd be interested? I don't, I don't, know, how the, I don't know how that whole process, I'd say behind closed doors, behind closed buildings, whatever you want to call it, John, but I wouldn't. To put it this way, I, I asked the representative who to call, and she told me don't bother. So <laughs> you're you're asking the wrong guy. I mean, she should have said. Was there close, yeah. A closed door meeting was it Saturday? Well, I mean, they're, they're, obviously they must have expressed some interest two three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, and, and and there must have been a few people maybe that did, and the FDIC probably said we're looking at something like this, and then these guys said, look, these loans we want no part of, or we want a discount on these two. And somehow or another, they, they obviously must have gone through damn near loan by loan to come up with that kind of a split. So somebody worked hours and hours and went through the whole portfolio someplace, don't you think? Well, yeah, at some point they decided we're not going to take any more calls from... Yeah, right. yeah we're not gonna, finally, you know, some people dropped out, some people didn't. But I, I think it, w- it would take somebody who says, we always wanted to be bigger than just Carolina. And these guys probably are bigger than Carolina. I, mean, I don't know that much about it. But we always wanted a footprint in Massachusetts and California. Guess what? If we get a good enough deal out of these guys, I say we go for it. Now, where, where they got that kind of money, that's another whole story. Now, can they borrow it? I mean, I don't, I don't know how the bank capital, uh, I don't, I don't in, our, in our business, if, if PTI borrowed money, unless the person's a partner, that's considered a liability you don't get anywhere. So I don't know how bank stuff is. So, so where these guys came up with the $57 billion, that's, that's maybe a Kevin question, but... I can't imagine they just have that that they have extra fifty seven billion in capital, but there must there must be some way that they you know I don't I don't know John there's got to be some way where you can still you don't have to have fifty seven in capital to buy that you must be able to count something towards your deposits. That's actually a very good question. How does a bank come up with that kind of money? I mean they can't have extra in in uh, they must be able to when they pay for it they must obviously be buying. Assets and building. In other words, they clearly can can pay for. How can I say this? If you give somebody fifty-seven billion in cash, and they give you back fifty-seven billion in T-bills, you didn't really lose any capital, right? right. So somehow or another, at 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 the uh, the level that they bought these assets, they're able to be counted as assets. Now, how how it slips from the from the from the from the cash side to the other side. I'm not sure. I mean, how that how that how that works out. Uh, it's probably some deep in the banking regulations that maybe only Kevin would know. But what do you say? We head off the break here. We'll come back. We'll do traffic, weather, sports, and then we'll continue. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. 
The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Load up by Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. We got Craig Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 28. SP Futures up 50 as the market's trying to build on yesterday's last week's rally for the first one in several weeks. Uh, just a way of review on Friday. Uh, SP was up uh, 22. The NASDAQ was up 36. Um, so. Uh, we had a bit of a decent day on Friday. Over in Europe, we've got uh, DAX up 206, 1.4%. Uh, FTSE up 71, uh, it's a full 1%. DAX around up 81, 1.2%. Europe stocks climb as investors hope for an end to banking volatility. Deutsche Bank rallies. So, you know, we'll see about that. 
uh, over in Asia. I mean, let's hope so. We don't need a banking crisis on top of everything else. Nikkei down 91.3%. Hang Seng down 347. 1.7%. These guys, one day up, one day down, are now 19,567. Shanghai down 14.4%. Um, I don't think the, the straighten out of a couple banks here is going to cause, over the weekend, all you heard about was uh, the Chinese mid-sized banks and how they're in trouble. But, uh, you know, it's hard to put any kind of a a figure on that or any kind of an idea of what that means to anybody. I don't think it's tradable. Uh, well, it will be if they all go under, but how the hell is anybody going to know? Uh, Treasury up 10 basis points, 3.47. The Bund up 10 basis points, 2.23. Uh, Japan up 2 basis points, to 0.30. We've got oil up 79 cents, over 70, 70.05. Uh, Brent up 84 cents, 75.83. Natural gas down 8 cents, 2.12. We've got Arabob unchanged, 2.59. We've got crypto up 79 bucks, 27,926. We have the U.S. dollar is actually down a little bit again. The euro is up, is small. The euro is 107.8, and the, and the British pound is 122.7. So right about where they were Thursday, Friday last week. So they've stabilized. That has stabilized quite a bit. Greg, what do you got for us? Morning. Let's see. So what you like being better, a producer or a guest? <laughs> Who knows? 6:41 a.m. Traffic heavy inbound on the 90 and 94 from, let's see, we got about Nagel to Fullerton and Tui, yeah, Tui to about Fullerton. The rest of the highways are yellowish, so moderate delays, but nothing terrible on 290 or 55. And sports, NCAA Elite Eight. In the West region, UConn beat Gonzaga 82-54. Ouch. FAU took care of Kansas State 79-76. On Sunday in the Midwest region, Miami beat Texas 88-81. And in the South, San Diego State beat Creighton. And that was 57-56. Finals four starts Saturday the 1st. We've got FAU versus San Diego State first, and then Miami versus UConn. NBA. Both the Suns and Bulls won this weekend. Suns over the Sixers, 125 to 105. Bulls won in LA, 118 to 108. NHL, the Avs beat the Coyotes in a shootout, 4 to 3. And the Hawks lost twice, one at Minnesota, 1 to 3 on Saturday. And at home on Sunday, 4 to 2 against the Canucks. Boy, Patrick Kane's going to be so happy he's out of here. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Yeah, he's uh, he's got to be so happy. So, Jan, uh, real quick interlude. I we went last week. I'm it's, I'm doing my ethnic weekends. It's, it appears <laughs> so, Saturday night. I don't know. I got, I got talked into Audrey and I into going to a uh, one of my guys we hang with a series once in a while is in this German shooting club, right? So their big party was uh, Saturday night. So somehow I got. Talked into buying tickets, so Audrey and I went up there, and it it was interesting. Let's just say it was interesting. It was a uh, now, of course, these are these are not regular guns; these are air pistols. Did you ever see one of these things, Greg? I, I don't think I have, but of course, they're all handmade in Germany, and uh, well, I mean, there's, they're made in they're made in Germany, and uh, they last like forever. Uh, so guys shoot every Wednesday night, and all there's different German shooting clubs all around the Midwest. And then once in a while, somebody has a, a big shootout where they all go to that place. Big party on Friday night, get all basically blasted. And they shoot all day on Saturday. 
then you have a big party on Saturday night and everybody gets blasted again uh, the other kind of blasted and uh, John it was a trip everybody's got these these green sport coats and or and or vests with like the German hats all stuff's made in Germany and everybody's got a million medals on there for any kind of shooting award they might have won through their lifetime <laughs> some guys are they look like admirals for God's sake walking around with this stuff on it really and everybody's serious about it nobody gets to know who wins till the end of the night so people are speculating oh, there's no like uh, who knows if there's money being passed on the on the stuff and then uh, evidently the Peoria Club always wins I don't know why what their story is and uh, but then the Chicago Club came in second so they were all happy about that it's really a fight for second place because oh, Peoria Kevin on. All right. What? So yeah, Monty was he was way down the list, our guy. <laughs> so of course they got three of these German ladies. One's dressed up in the what do you call like the, they're like ponytails, but they don't call them ponytails when you're an adult. What the hell? Like poly girl. Or <laughs> yeah, and with with the you know with the the apron. Look like she came right out of some commercial from the 1500s. There's these three women standing there, and I go, Monty, how would you like me to take a picture of these three women and put it up at our table at series? Did they all beat you in the shooting? <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't wasn't real happy with that, but we we were we were with the Columbus group. God, what a bunch of characters! This one guy, he got the full white face of hay. He's telling he's telling Audrey he's he's a uh, motorcycle guy, and his wife's not into this, right? So he he's telling Audrey he needs to find some lady to go motorcycling with him. And I said, well, you know, you guys, you can find a biker girl somewhere. <laughs> then he starts talking into he's got a bike that's got the capacity of. 450 pounds, right? Some real nice bike, I guess. Audrey, of course, the one all about it. She knows about bikes. I don't. And uh, and he, he says something about, well, he weighs about 210, so the girl's got to be under 240. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> you got to be kidding. <laughs> the guy needs a, a weight limit on his, on his biker girl, or else they, she couldn't get her butt on the bike. I'm like <laughs> anyway, like I said, they were characters. But yeah, we had a nice time, but we left there, and everybody else was getting trashed. And then, you know, all, singing all these German... Uh, drinking songs before shots of Jägermeister. There's like a million kinds of that stuff running around with shots. I mean, I, the place is really something, John. It was built in the Duncan House or something. It's a uh, it was built. Yeah, I know right where it is. I didn't know any of the. the I didn't know that a shooting club there. I know there's there's all sorts of these social clubs town that I see around my neighborhood. I'm I'm just west of there, off of Lawrence Avenue. But there's you know a Bulgarian social club nearby. There's a Ukrainian one. There's a Polish one, and they're, they're you know a combination of eateries and card playing, or who knows yeah. what, or you know whatever. And they they look very respectable. They're always well maintained buildings, but it's pr- private admission. You can't just walk in there. Um, and there's this this is kind of a, a charming holdover, I guess, of what Chicago c- kind of had all over the place, you know, at one time. And there's only vestiges of it left now, but they're still thriving. So well, at one point. Uh, guys who came over from Germany, you know, expi- well, not expatriated, they moved here, immigrated, could live there for a while till you found a place. But now all the all the little rooms around the we got the full tour, are all for like uh, German speaking classes for the kids and so forth, so they don't lose the culture and the whole. But like like you would in any other neighborhood. I mean, there's there's people who want to learn your kids to learn Polish and that kind of thing. I, mean, I, I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, why not? I mean, you don't want to lose those cultures. I mean, it's that's what America's America the way it is. Is all these people here together, right? I tell you what, though, we did get a view of the the sixth floor as this big, like, what do you want to call it? Not a balcony, but it's a uh, terrace. The view of the city from there, looking straight uh, toward downtown and, and toward the lake, is something I've never seen. I mean, it was really something. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen the city from there. But 
I have to say they got this one room. Greg, you'll love this. There's some secret society from like the 1300s, 1400s. How do we join? I, we, you know, we we could join. I don't know if you want to, but it's a. Uh, it looks like they do like human sacrifice and stuff in this room, and it, all this, this table looks like it's got to be 800 years old. The, the room used to be over at the Germanica Club over on Clark and North until that place became something else. So they took the rooms from there. And these guys still meet in these white robes and stuff. I mean, it Audrey goes, I got to get out of here. I feel this. <laughs> This feels freaky. You gotta be careful with those <laughs> it, white robes. It, it, look, it looked like the uh, something out of uh, what? What is it? Who are the guys that does the movies of the the societies from the the fifteen hundred? Oh, the Da Vinci Code and the, all the Scum yeah, Scum yeah, Scum. like all that stuff. It looked, looked like a room like those guys would meet in. Well, remember Anthony Scalia when he died? I mean, he was at that was the Saint Hubertus Society, which is a hunting group. Um, you know. I would I don't call it a secret society, but it was a private club, and they were meeting in that you know godforsaken corner of Texas where there's really nothing around, and it, it's a you know I guess a combination of shooting, hunting, fraternal group or whatever with ancient roots. You know it's been around for a while. A lot of these are, are under the radar. They have ethnic attachments or re- religious attachments or just social attachments, but but you know some of them are more visible than others. Well, he, that's why. Well, I don't know. He might have croaked anyway, but didn't they have to put them in like the station wagon and try and drive them to a hospital like 150 well, miles away? They, they did the the you know coroner's report remotely. Yeah. Uh, the coroner signed the death certificate and never even saw him, so yeah, <laughs> I don't think I, that's how they do it on, C- you know, the, on TV. Well, yeah, they don't do it on TV like that. What's the one? And, and Tom, nobody drives a station wagon. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think they... Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good we morning. Were, uh, John was... Uh, Axing, uh, how does this new bank? Well, we'll get to that in a second. But the guy who used to be on uh, on Monday, so the agriculture report, Chris Manns. Chris, just just for uh, bleeps and grins, tried to become a mason, and he w- he was at it for like a year. And you, you keep going up. He got to like level seven, but like nothing. I don't know what level he was, but you'd, nothing good happened to like a th- you know three levels ahead of him. You're always like a couple of levels away for really finding out what the hell's going on, but. I don't know if anybody, well, you're not supposed to talk about it if you actually get up the chain in those things, but those guys, uh, they're still around, right? Isn't the Medina Temple? Uh, well, that's where the new casino's going, but they've got, uh, what's the golf course they have? Uh, we have the U.S. Uh, is it Medina? Is, and Medina, yeah. And they've got the uh, the Children's Hospital and the whole bit. I mean, they're they're sort of still active. I don't know <laughs> I don't know what, it, what how double secret they all are, but they still are, they've evolved sort of into charitable organizations, haven't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. What are the what are the elks? I know the some of those like the uh, what's it? One of the guys is eyeglasses, right? Is that Kiwanis or is that uh, Kiwanis does the glasses? And then what about the uh, all the different what, the Knights of Columbus for what? They were uh, they did some charity. Actually, they originally owned the Packers, right? The Knights of yeah. Columbus. and then of course there's the Moose and the Elks and the Odd Fellows. These these things are still thriving, really. You know, well, and they they uh, really in small towns and small cities, a lot of the uh, uh, the service clubs, um, you know, they're they're pretty integral to the local economy. Well, yeah, yeah. All right, so Kevin, uh, Jan had the question earlier. We we're hoping you'd you'd pile in uh, when when this bank in, in Carolina takes over. Well, we tried to go through the the differences in this particular bank because they had you know a lot of big time depositors versus community depositors, so. A lot of banks would want no part of them because that's not. I mean, 
you're not going to get the First National Bank ever in Park that wants these guys. I mean, it's not their clientele at all. But it looks like whoever bought them got a footprint, 17 locations in, in uh, Massachusetts and California. So if you're just looking to, to jump jumpstart your brand somewhere else, I mean, you might want to look into it. But what John was saying, how when, when a company's, when one's that big, how long does it take to, to mesh their systems into yours or to even, or to even try? Do you stay separate? Oh no! You'll try. You'll uh, you'll you'll definitely want to get some operational efficiencies out of it, and you'll try. Uh, I've been involved in and in not on anything this scale, but I've been involved in eight bank mergers and acquisitions personally, um, and uh, you know, uh, five on the buying side and three on the selling side. So um, I, I've been I've been through it a, a time or two, um, to say the least. Um, it, it it takes. It takes a while, you know. Even if you put it on a fast track, you're talking you're talking six months to get everything integrated. And really, you know, when when you start allowing for uh, cultural differences and you know everything else that goes involved in trying to um, uh, merge two organizations, it's a longer haul than that. Um, it, it is it is really hard. This there it's the reason that so many. Uh, uh, so many uh, acquisitions are, are supposed to be accretive and wind up being dilutive because it is just so hard to pull together two organizations whose cultures are completely different. Um, but right is. now today, day one, if you've got a uh, a checkbook from Silicon Bank and you write in a check, the old routing number and everything, I'm yeah, sure everything the, will remain in place. But the, yeah, the old the Fed is still going to look at it as two different places, and then once. No, they're just it's it's two different locations. They, they, you know, it it doesn't matter. There's lots of banks that have multiple routing numbers in play. Okay. Okay. So, where I guess the question is, and I'm really jumping in with this answer. Uh, I don't know if you've read the specs. The specs are that they bought uh, seventy-two billion dollars worth of assets and stuff at a at a discount down to uh, fifteen fifteen uh, percent. So they paid fifty-seven billion for. Seventy billion dollars in assets. There's another ninety that the FDIC is going to just essentially hold and try and either let run off or do something with. And these guys are getting all the uh, locations, which I guess are seventeen of them. And then the FDIC is going to get some stock in the bank, which I'm kind of surprised at, but maybe happy with. Uh, so does that does that mean you know guys that are now could barely uh, need some sleep for four days are going to each going through each and every loan in that thing? We want this one. We don't want that one. I mean. I, how, do, how, do you, how does that happen? Uh, I, I'd have to see what their agreement is. Is is there a certain quality that the uh, FDIC is taking off their hands? Here's, here's the uh, or uh, or or is it just a, you know, a random selection? Uh, I don't know. Funny, I doubt it's a random selection. The deal will see First Citizens Bank purchase seventy-two billion of Silicon Valley Bank assets at a discount of sixteen point five billion. So that means they paid fifty-five five for seventy-two billion out of something. A further $90 billion in securities and other assets will remain in receivership for disposition by the FDIC. Uh, U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporate transferred all SVB deposits and assets into a new bridge bank earlier this month in an effort to protect depositors of the failed lender. So something, uh, my, my guess is, and this is totally a guess for anybody listening, uh, the 90, I, I, I doubt if the FDIC wanted them to get a dis, give them a discount on the U.S. Treasuries, so they probably took the U.S. Treasuries, and they're just going to let those run off over over long it takes. And they didn't want to give a discount. But I guess Kevin, I don't, I don't know much yeah, about. Yeah, but there there may be 
it, it, again, it, it it could be that they're just taking substantially all of the loan portfolio, and the discount is uh, is accounting for any quality issues that might be there. Uh, and it's equally conceivable that the FDIC is just saying, uh, "Yeah, you don't have to take the crap. We'll we'll take the crap, and you uh, and you keep the rest of it." Well, it sounds like the other stuff is securities and stuff. So it might be some of the, some of the places that they uh, companies that they I'll say uh, were an instrumental in going public and that kind of thing. But my uh, my I guess the question is one of my questions is. How does this line up capital-wise? I mean, I, I doubt very seriously if Citizen Bank could write a $57 billion check. So what, do you match up saying, okay, since we're... I mean, how, do, how, does, that, how does that all work? Uh, that, again, I, I, don't, I don't know the specifics of this, but I can't imagine that they have that many billions just sitting around. Um, so, or at least uh, a liquid, uh, uh, you know, liquid investments of that amount, amount that they can liquidate. So there is probably a capital plan that goes along with this, and they have some hurdles that they have to clear at different points in time. How much? Um, I mean, my, my, I was just opining again. This is just me opining, which is you know, whatever. I said when you start some of the ones you've been involved with, and I'm not downplaying them. I'm just saying, if you're to First National Bank of Palatine, and you find a guy in Rolling Meadows who has a problem, it's probably going to be your sort of clientele, and you probably can value it pretty quick, right? I mean, unless yeah, when when those kinds of small banks get in trouble, it is almost always on syndication loans. They will buy into a, a, a syndicated loan, and uh, and I've I've seen where some of the small banks would buy into a syndicated loan at their loan limit, uh, and then if it goes bad. Well, you know, whoever organized the syndication, if it's, you know, Bank of America or Wells Fargo or somebody like that, they can withstand the loss. And in fact, what usually happens is who gets out first is okay, you know. And, uh, but uh, but if you're a small bank and you're in a syndication, you're kind of assuming that everybody else is monitoring the quality of the credit. And while you'll have some reports, um, you don't have really the ability to uh, monitor it closely yourself, especially if it's out of your territory. Um, so you know this is this is where banks get into trouble. Are there banks that I, I think there are? The reason why I ask this is, uh, remember, remember, John Beverly Bank, sure, and they got bought by uh, who are the guys with the really crummy uh, blue color or uh, green color? I mean, they got bought by those guys. It was a New York plane, but they had this kind of lime green sort of color. Anyway, they buy the place. The people from Beverly Bank, some of the same thing happened to First National Bank, Beverly Park, by the way. They essentially bought a storefront or rented a storefront down by the Rock Island, and, and the people who bought Beverly Bank didn't take the name. So these guys were able to open the bank up with this little storefront under the name of Beverly Bank. And, and, the, and the cashiers are the people people are familiar with. They're going to train anyway. All of a sudden, in like three years, these guys were able to buy a building. But I, I'm going to say, Kevin, out of the gate, a long way of answering the question. Same thing happened at First National Bank, Beverly Park. My mother went with those people, or cashier, they went down the block and opened up a new bank. You can, I think you can open up a bank. If we had a million and a half bucks and went over a bank, I think we can open one. But our question is, we start to get some deposits from people. Well, you can, you can probably pass the background check. Uh, that, Flan, that Flanagan character, oh, he, yeah, he be careful that. with the we. Yeah, you be <laughs> careful with the we. Uh, so, okay, so we get $10 million worth of deposit right out of the gate for people we know from the old bank. 
we're not we're not gonna we might give somebody a car loan or something but kevin out of out of the blue what do we do with that money we do we pile into syndicated loans or do we just buy treasuries or what do we, i mean we, obviously our loan department is is it's for not for stunken it's not even there yet so even if we ever wanted to have a loan deposit i mean our job is that we're good at getting deposits of people that trust us what do we do with that money Oh, right off the bat, yeah. Um, you you go buy some risky derivative. With oh, it. I, I hope not. <laughs> and and away you go. No. You're in business. Well, that that could be, um, but generally, you put it what at a bigger bank, and or you put it at the Fed, and you just make, and you you're making two percent, you're paying out one, or is that? Is well, that you yeah, do? you're going. Yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna build an investment portfolio first, and then if you really want to have a balance sheet that resembles a commercial bank, then you're going to have to start making loans. And uh, and so you'll you'll liquidate some of these other assets in order to uh um you know, in order to convert them into loans. But I mean in the old days they would be like car loans, they could be loaned to a local plumbing company, they'd be they'd be spread around that way. Now the I guess banks sort of still do that, but do they I don't think it's a big part of their business, is it? Car loans? No. No. I mean I uh, you know, there, yeah, there's a lot of loans where you know different uh, different types of uh, uh, companies have gotten in that business. What uh, you know, I, I don't. I've been away from it so long. I don't know what I would do in a startup now. Um, I, you know, you can do some consumer loans. You can do some real estate. You can do some commercial construction loans. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. But again, you have to have the expertise to evaluate them. I bet so you, you're going you to have to go. You're going to have to go poach some people away from some of the larger banks or some of the more established banks. You know, just just to build up a decent lending department. Um, you can you can start off in in you know lower quality stuff and certainly at least around here you certainly have credit unions that are doing uh, car loans and things like that so maybe some of your consumer lending uh, staff can come if if there's any credit unions in your area then that might be a good source of people uh, otherwise uh, it's it's just it's a long haul process to uh, uh, to get it up and running well, I'm gonna, we're going to break here but I'm going to say that these guys in the back of their mind they, they, they really wanted at the right price they wanted a footprint in Boston and California. It was a way to expand. I mean, that had to be. You can't. You can't come into this with saying, I, "Last thing I want is to be in Boston and California." Let's just try and work the deal. No, they're they're just trying to be nice guys and help a brother out here. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's. Exactly <laughs> sure. So how many how many banks do you think were involved in the in the mess? And and, and when how did these guys communicate, Kevin, to? Uh, the FDIC that they're interested, they pick up the phone and say, "Hey, how many people you got looking at this? We'd look at it." Yeah, or the FDIC calls them because they've been having conversations all along uh, about what they would and wouldn't be interested in doing. Okay, let's go to break here. We'll be right be right back. Yeah, we got to talk some basketball. Yeah, so FCP futures up twenty nine, NASDAQ futures up fifty six. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? 
Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Well, we're back. Stocks and jocks. I'm talking about Greg on the board. SP futures up 26. As if he's up 48. Trying to build on last week, as we seem to have uh, the banking issues at least subsiding for a while. I mean, we have the the situation in Europe. Uh, uh, Deutsche Bank took over. Uh, uh, the uh, God, what was the name of the place? The uh, place in Switzerland. Uh, the uh, Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse. And uh, the uh, after after the uh, Union Bank of Switzerland gave them some money, but that ended up. It looks like that's okay. Even though people are kind of bitching the way it worked worked out. Uh, but Kenny Polcari did say, uh, and last week that the according to the Swiss rules, Kevin, the, uh, the the first first level bondholders, whatever they call them, actually are subservient to common stock. Which is a which is a Swiss rule, evidently. Uh, uh, which is, but I mean, if that's the way it, that's the way it's structured, I mean, that's the way it's structured. I, I guess people should have read it, um, type of thing. But he claims that that's exactly the way they do things over there, not so much here. But so, Kevin, what do you make of this morning? I heard the way in um, that uh, more people pick these eight uh, four teams left. Uh, to not win their first game than pick them to be in the Final Four. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. My last t- uh, team alive to uh, get to the Final Four was uh, Texas. So uh, so I got I got, I got got that far anyway. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, my, with, with a team. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that was pretty good. I mean, who... How, I mean, we're... Uh, I guess... I want you to explain the whole system these days. It sure seems like a lot of the... Everybody keeps talking about the... The, the payment and the uh, and the you know the portal and all that stuff in regards to football, but God, there's all kinds of people here that are you know under second and third school. And does any? I guess I shouldn't ask this, but I won't. Does anybody go to class? I mean, I, how do, if you if you if you're in three schools in three years, and you're not really that much of a student to start with, where the hell is where does that put you? Well, and it, it sort of depends though, because the way the rules, the newest rules, and the thing that's having the biggest effect on the number of transfers is that you get one freebie without having to sit out. Uh, so that's it. But you also get a grad transfer. 
uh, without having to sit out. And that's why you get some of these people that have three schools in four years or three schools even in three years. Um, and in, in those cases, you're getting uh, students who are going to grad school. Uh, now, in some, it, it also, they're, you know, they're not necessarily in degree programs. Uh, so uh, Sam, uh, oh, what the hell's the guy's name, the quarterback for Notre Dame, he's not going to be in a degree program this year. He's just taken, he's basically taking uh, um, some fall, some very focused uh, courses in the fall term, and uh, and that will allow him to uh, uh, be eligible to play. Um, so you you get uh, you know you get different academic plans. I think a lot I think a lot of these people that have multiple transfers are in line to graduate. They're you know they're much more so than than the one and done types or even the two and done types. I think a, a lot of the people who have multiple uh, who played on multiple teams wind up graduating because they just accumulate enough credits, and because the NCAA implemented the. Uh, um, you know the uh, the success rate stuff, the academic success rate, and the graduation uh, success rate. The schools are very conscious of that because you can lose your eligibility for the postseason if you don't pay attention to it. Uh, it, it was it wasn't that long ago that Connecticut won a national championship and wasn't able to defend it the next year because they didn't meet the uh, um, the uh, graduation success rate standard. Well, what uh, I guess I don't know how, uh, where where we want to start here. When when Pete Nigerian was still here on the training floor, and I used to see him all the time, you know, Pete and I we t- we talk about football and it, I you know we went to Notre Dame and the Midwest. You don't there's not much of this. When you're first going west, the junior colleges are a real big deal in terms of in football anyway. I don't know if they ever really were in basketball. And Pete told me that they had some rule. This has to be oh god, thirty years ago now. And the rule, he said, this is going to be one of the biggest changes in football. Uh, that anybody's seen. I said, what is it? He goes, well, you, you're going to have to graduate from the junior college to be able to play for the next level. So right? you have to, you're going to have to have an associate's degree. Yeah. And he said, but the, uh, I said, well, how does that make any difference? He goes, well, there's schools, and he rattled off about four or five of them. I think it was Utah State, Montana State, North Dakota State, somebody else. Kansas State is huge in uh, you know, people coming in from community but colleges. But he goes, he goes, these guys have never given a four-year scholarship. Everybody in there is from a JUCO. And uh, that the thing was, I mean, to take a, a huge example, O.J. Simpson. He, he never graduated. I, I, I'm assuming, I'll be nice to him, I'll, I'm assuming he graduated high school. He never graduated San Francisco. As soon as he was done with the football season there, his second year, he was running track for, South, for Southern Cal. And I think he never graduated Southern Cal. So th- that all stopped. Um, so now one of these one of these teams is it one of the girls teams or one of the guys teams that the person played a whole high school season or half a high school season graduated in December and played the second half for the year for either the college that's, that's Notre Dame's team Notre yeah. Dame's women yeah I mean, it, yeah, what, what, did they, I mean in football I've heard they, of guys going they, to spring they practice brought her to, uh, they, uh, she came to campus for the Marquette game to see her blo- brother play uh, Marquette and she came with the family and then stayed behind <laughs> Basically, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, well, I, you guys, I'm, I'm sure, did well in high school. I mean, I can't imagine Maris had a a, a, uh, a brother who was a principal brother, Patrick Sestaro, who was a was about the roughest looking guy you ever saw. And he, his name was Rock, right? I, I can't imagine walking into Rock on December 
10th saying, by the way, I'm in the honors program. Looks to me like I got enough to graduate. I'm out of here. I'm going to go someplace and play football. <laughs> he looked at me and said, well, everybody graduates in June. You can go wherever you want, but you're not graduating. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 the idea that everybody does that, I, mean, I, I guess it maybe happened all over the place. It's well, just so- a, a couple of things. Uh, football players are doing that a lot now. Uh, because they want to, they want to come to their college and participate in spring football, give them a leg up on playing as freshmen. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of that uh, amongst that group. But um, you know, I, I, heck, I remember having a high school classmate who graduated after three. I think he did three years, but he, you know, he did summer school every year, and he went off to Fordham, if I'm not mistaken, um, a year early, and uh, uh, and. and you know, started college, so it's it's been doable for a long time. It's just you know, has that been the habit of athletes? And you know, it, it isn't easy when, especially you know, even whether it's high school or college, if you're carrying a load, uh, you know, a, a heavier class load, and at the same time you're competing in a sport, that's not an easy thing to pull oh, off. Oh no, no, but I'm saying if if you if you look at, I'm going to say that the entire Marist Honors program probably under most NCAA stuff and probably even their academic program could could I, could I suppose have graduated in December of senior year I would already have had three and a half years of a lab science I would have had this I mean I don't know I don't, I don't yeah, you've got to be a motivated student to do that those aren't the ones that concern me well yeah but I'm saying without going to summer school I think we would have all passed just by the, by the amount of classes we took I mean, I don't, I, I mean, they're not willing to let the whole world go. So, I, I, you know, I could see the, uh, I mean, if you were a football player, and especially if you're a little older, maybe, you know, you were later in the year, I, I could see wanting to get there a semester early and, and, and get your feet under your, under your, and then by the time you go to summer school and everything else, I could see these guys all graduate, graduating after three if you, if you kept doing it, right? Yeah. And, it, look, when it comes to basketball, it's hard to do that. You know, you have to be extraordinary to show up at the end of December um, or uh, or the beginning of January and crack the lineup. Oh yeah. And this is a big reason why you don't see football players, uh, you know, do you know, doubling up anymore. Uh, you know, unless your team is terrible and you can end your season in November, um, by the time you play in a bowl game and uh, and then maybe take a week off just to decompress, uh, you, you're you know, now you're you're in the middle of January. Well, there's four conference games under their belt now, and, and it's going to be hard to integrate somebody into that. Yeah, it was a different one, but it- no, they, you know, Olivia Miles did it for Notre Dame a couple of years ago too. But that was an extraordinary circumstance, just because uh, she was from New Jersey, and New Jersey shut down all of their sports that year. So she, you know, as soon as they canceled the season, she put her head down, finished up, got everything she needed to do to graduate, showed up at Notre Dame, and probably got in six or seven games. This year, Prosper started playing right away. Um, she's, you know, wasn't a good, uh, a particularly good offensive player uh, in in that, um, uh, in you know, in 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 terms of her ability to put up points. But on the other hand, she's an incredible defensive player. This is a, a six-two um, young woman, six foot two, with the speed of a five foot seven guard, and she was hellacious on defense, and a godsend after they lost two uh, two starters to injuries. So yeah, uh, you know, it, um, 
that that worked out. I I don't think that's going to be much of a norm, though. I I really don't expect to see it because again, coming in in the middle of the season is not something that you could easily do. What uh, what is uh, your your both of your guys' opinion? And okay, we seem to have got a buyer for this bank. This one's put to bed. Let's hope, uh, and I think that it probably is. Um, and the, the same thing with the one in, in Europe. People are like complaining about how it went down, but it's it's down. Uh, now, confidence back. Everybody okay? I mean, we, we know we have a, a hole on a lot of these balance sheets with some of these bonds. People were like forced to buy, uh, not forced, but I mean it's the only thing you buy for a while. Um, are we are we okay here, or is or is this going to be blipping out a little bit as we go? I don't know. What do you think, John? I think it's going to be blipping out, <laughs> or worse. <laughs> I think that there's going to be some real stumbling times ahead um, I mean it, this even sort of you can see this with the Credit Suisse and you know the UBN um, or UBS I'm sorry um, so called merger which right away I mean as soon as it was announced and this seemed to allay people's fears it, it right away looked as if there was you know second thoughts about it and you know wait a minute you know <laughs> This doesn't look as good as we thought it did, and and I think a lot of these deals are happening under such pressure time-wise, um, and they have to get a press release out that you know keeps their stock up and keeps the public you know from running around with money. Um, but when the dust settles and people have a chance to look this stuff over and and see what else has happened in the meantime that maybe nobody quite counted on, um, I think a lot of these deals, if not un- unraveling, are going to be tweaked and you know changed in a way that nobody foresaw and it, it's probably inevitable when you got such pressure to get this stuff done so fast but I don't think any of these deals are necessarily signed and delivered when they want the public to think they are I think there's, there's still a lot of stuff to be worked out um, that may or may not go well and you, you start compounding this as more and more institutions are forced to get into these you know merger situations or whatever, I think you're going to see a lot of people um, lose more and more confidence in, in the whole process of how to fix this. Because it, it, the system isn't designed to sustain the kind of shocks we're having now over a sustained period of time without you know, a fatigue setting in about it and, and sloppiness too. So um, I think it's you know, a lot of the stuff we're going to have to kind of hold our breath about. What, uh, what do you think is causing... Well, and I, what I think is uh, also that that these situations have exposed very poor regulatory performance, yeah. yes. and as a result, uh, I, I, you know, I, I doubt that it's limited to just those two, those three. You know, I, I think you, you know, we're gonna what we're going to find is uh, if if we haven't been doing a good job regulating the industry at all. Um, or evaluating, you know, regulating is not the right word. It's you know, it's the audit side of it. Right, just um, supervision of, of important. Yeah, it's, it's the supervision function. Yeah, thank you. And you know, if you know, do you think it was just poor in in a few cases? I don't think so. Well, and that's it's, it's what a little worries bit... me. Is what else is lurking out there that we just don't know yet? If you I if you talk about uh, the two thousand and eight, I'll just keep referring to that. It didn't shock anybody that we'd lose three or four banks a weekend. And right now, if you listen to the financial press, we've never been in better shape. Look at the unemployment rate. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the GDP. Look at everything is cool. 
and yeah, yet, and yet we're misreading the room. Yeah, that's, when that's, now we've had these kinds of issues. But it, when you when you say the regulatory part, I'm not going to accuse you. You'll never call me back. You say you almost sound like Elizabeth Warren a little bit. We 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 know we put a bazillion dollars worth of securities out there, both both uh, governmental and agency or and, and company that is seriously underwater everywhere. I mean, we we know we did that. Uh, I I can't believe the the European Central Bank could could have the stones to ever turn around and say, you bleeps bought these bonds at too high of a price when they were the ones that bought them. I mean, right? I mean, it, it's how do you, how do you? It's almost like uh, the Casablanca. I'm shocked there's gambling in this establishment. I mean, but most of the problems are balance sheet problems, bought brought upon by interest rates going back to quote normal, right? I mean, everybody's got that issue unless you totally dodged any any purchase like that. Well, unless anybody believed what the Fed was saying they were going to do for over a year before they actually got around to doing it. Um, you know, anybody who took them at their word, and I can understand why you wouldn't take them at their word, because they kept, what they kept saying and what they kept doing were two different things. Um, but anybody who did should be in pretty good shape, Should you know, should be out ahead of the curve here. Um, but we'll see. Now, am I calling for more regulation? No, I'm calling for actually, you know, just doing a good job with the uh, system that's in place. Um, I'm calling for competence here. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I am too. I, I guess my, my, my uh, it, to me, it's well, this is all I've ever done in my business world, and the, to, to me, it is, it is so obvious that if I, if there's something that's a four percent bond at a hundred bucks. And the rate goes to two percent. The thing is going to go to one twenty-five. And if I buy it at one twenty-five, and all of a sudden it goes back to four percent, I'm out twenty-five bucks. I'm still going to get my interest, and I'll get my one hundred at some point during the day. That hopefully is more than one hundred twenty-five I paid. And it's not a negative number, but it, but then three years later, go after these people and say, "Hey, look, you idiots! You bought this stuff." Well, yeah, you're the ones that sold it to me. Right? I mean, they're, they're <laughs> goddamn the pusher, <laughs> yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I mean, I, I've never seen anything quite this bizarre in all my years of, of being in this. I mean, for for the, for the European Central Bank to turn around and say, "I'm shocked you've got these Greek loans on your on your on your books that are valued at at sixty now." How, how, how could they be so stupid? Is it not know that was going to happen? I mean, I, I I'm just kind of perplexed by the whole thing. That right now, for banks to be going under. You'd say, how the hell could that happen? I mean, it really isn't that big of a problem in the economy. There's there's people being skewered by inflation, and the people we know, anybody making less than a hundred thousand a year is is basically getting it taken out of them like 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 with a spoon out of their eyeball. But I mean, it, that 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 shouldn't affect the banking system. I mean, the idea that if, if you listen, if you see the, the the stuff that comes across, you would never guess there'd be a, a bank going under now, a big bank, would you? I wouldn't. John, I would guess in advance, no. Uh, looking at it and just playing uh, Monday morning quarterback, um, I'm sitting here sort of saying, duh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've talked to, well, I mean, I hang around with trader sort of people, and you guys, I don't want to accuse you of this, but you, you act like a trader would. I mean, Kevin, you just basically said it. Well, if the bank was watching their P's and Q's, they wouldn't have a lot of this crap on their on their balance sheet. By the way, I agree with you 100. There's not a there's not a long term bind on any of the balance sheets of people that I manage money for, and never would be at that rate. I mean, I've been saying that for 10 years, but I also know that somebody had to buy them. They were oversubscribed every time they came out. 
Somebody bought the Microsoft and Amazon the crap at 3%. People who were buying them were the people from Lehman, who came from Lehman Brothers and who came from the Fed and the people who came with no idea and had masters in public administration instead of business degrees. See, they're spoken like another trader. What I'm saying is, Greg, if you or Jan or me or Kevin was on the finance committee of an insurance company for the last five years, we'd have been forced to buy this stuff. Money's coming in. We've got to buy uh, U.S. Treasuries. We've got to buy a, a laddered sort of relationship. So you can buy the short-term ones, so you only get murdered for nine years, ins- or for one year instead of nine years. Okay, what, years. what I'm saying is, wait, does, is, are we talking about a trader here, guys? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just said, I would not have bought one either, but I also know that somebody has to buy them, be it, be it states, be it insurance companies, be it pension funds. They have to have a certain amount of stuff in, in U.S. Treasuries. Or... Somebody bought the Microsoft crap at 3% or whatever the hell it was, or the, or the Amazon. I'm saying that was the market, and you were getting nothing anywhere else. So probably if you were to said, I don't want to buy these, and you're, and you're the financial guy at the, at the insurance company, and one of you guys went in and said, I don't think we should buy this crap, they're going to say, what are we going to do, get nothing on it? We better at least get 2%, at least that's something. I'm saying is everybody's discounting. Yeah, and then when it goes to hell, what are you going to get? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. It's always hard to argue with people when you agree with them, but also you know that everybody can't do it. I, no, I, I fully get what you're saying, Tom. You, you know, there's got to be they, they got a portfolio they have there's to manage. They have a, a balance sheet they have to fine. manage. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, and now for everybody to be kind of stunned, uh, I'm, I'm sort of surprised. What's that on First Citizens Bank or what's on their loan portfolio? Uh, but I mean, um, well, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> Let's hope that. Uh, Let's hope that the FDIC looked at that one, too. But they might just be, you know, stuff in Carolina. Might just be, you know, auto... Well, like I say, I don't... They don't what, what is the normal portfolio? Well, they now? had okay. enough to drop $500 million on the SIVB stuff, so... Yeah, I guess well, they're doing okay. Well, actually, they, they, they spent $57 billion. Where'd they get that? There's got to be well, some... I don't worry. I, that's, I think it's $500 million in equity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're giving that to the FDIC. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, Kevin, it, it's 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 a worldwide issue. Everybody's got this stuff. I mean, how could you not after eight years of it? So what I you're telling me, what you're telling me, is the Fed has walked us into this mess. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, nothing like the European Central Bank. I mean, that, can you imagine? I mean, right now, if if you audited the Fed portfolio, it's at eight point six trillion. What do you think if, you had, if they had to puke that out tomorrow? What do you think it's worth? I'm going to guess six and a half. I mean, I'm, be, I'm being charitable. Yeah. Well, what, well, how Did you catch any of Janet Yellen's? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, what did, what did she say? I don't even well, want to. First, for, I mean, it's it's kind of, it, at some level, it's heartbreaking to see somebody who's older than I am kind of, you know, give confidence in, in every word she says. She looked completely overwhelmed and acted as if, you know, she hadn't really thought ahead of time what she might be asked or what she'd have to say in response. And she looked completely like, distracted and beat out and I, I would be too if I were 76 and had to figure this stuff out in front of some you know, tough questioning but, but how can you get confidence in the bigger system which you're not hearing about when the, the spokespeople that are supposed to be accountable for this look completely out of their league and I, I think I don't know who you could replace her with at this time that would make people feel better about you know the replacement but surely we can do better than this. I, mean, I just think whatever is going on, 
if you want to quell the markets, if you want to build people's confidence, you don't do it with Janet Yellen. Well, I'm not so sure you get it. You get it by firing the Secretary of Treasury either at this point. But well, that's that's the point. I mean, but but do we do we then then stick with some clearly overmastered by conditions here? What do you mean? She made know. seven million bucks. She's pretty good at something. Oh, it's, well, she's she's good at that. But when, but when it comes to being an emotional lighthouse for people, you know, here's here's what you should be feeling, and don't I instill confidence in you? Uh uh-uh. uh. She, well, she doesn't instill confidence in me. I'll tell you. They absolutely don't. They have. They don't. When I say they. The whole group in Washington doesn't appear to have any touch with anybody. Maybe some representatives. They probably do, especially from smaller areas, but I don't think they have any idea what's going through. But how many of them even you think know that that there's a huge break point in the taxes once you get above like 42,000? Don't you go from like 12 to 22% or something? You know, and anybody that blows over 50, all of a sudden now that next 10 grand, you're taking 2,200 of it plus. Plus, you're taking fifteen hundred to Social Security. You know, you're taking thirty-seven hundred bucks. That's for a guy making fifty grand. You're gonna take thirty-seven hundred out of his. Now, I'm not a tax guy. Out of his next ten grand, right? And then, so if that ten grand is supposed to be the thing that fights inflation for him, he's only getting two thirds of it. I mean, it's 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 insanity what they're doing to people. I, I'm I'm sort of stunned that uh, that there isn't more. I, mean, I think if we would if we had more unions, not not government unions, the, the voices would be louder, but we don't. I mean, they would say, "Look, I mean, why why doesn't the people who I didn't read the whole agreement, so without without going that far, I'm going to say the, the ones the guys got at Caterpillar and John Deere, they're talking about a raise of what six, seven, eight percent over the next, maybe if it's ten percent over the next five years. Actually, it's fifteen percent over the next five years. They're not even they're not even staying even, are they? No. I mean, I." I don't, well, I, the teachers in LA are getting what twenty three percent over three years or something. And Even that still probably isn't enough. It's it's probably break even yeah. over a three year period, maybe, maybe. And everybody thinks that's. But how many people do you know are getting that? None. None. <laughs> Jan, you want to hang around a little bit for Audrey because we're going to talk about some oh, real estate. Sure. Kevin, thank yeah, you very much for for opining in. Uh, by the way, who's your who's your predicting now? If we get down to only one team left, even you can't miss. But who, out of the four, who do you uh, think? Oh, let's see. Let me see who who impressed me the most. I'm going to ride with Miami just because I, I because I have no good basis for picking anybody, but I really like Jim Laranega, their coach, a lot. He's like 73 years old, so he'd be the oldest coach ever to win a championship. And I kind of like their players, too. I've been, you know, I've been watching some of these guys for years and seen most of them in person. And, uh, you know, I hate to actually like Miami, but I do. Um, UConn looks like they're breaking out when they clobbered some Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I went and looked at all of these teams and their early season non-conference records. There is nothing in there that would have indicated this kind of success against all non-conference opponents throughout the uh, tournament. Um, they they just didn't have a lot of impressive wins. They had good records, um, you know. But Connecticut finished what fourth in the conference? I think San Diego State won their conference. Florida Atlantic won their conference. Um, uh, who's who's the fourth team that I'm? Oh, and uh, um, and I'm just looking at regular season records. I don't know who won the conference tournaments. But Miami, Miami, can't Florida Miami was Miami was the uh, first place team in the ACC in the regular season. So, you know, they, uh, all of them had good conference seasons, but they weren't necessarily good in their non-conference schedules. Uh, so there there really wasn't an indicator that this was going to happen uh, for them, and yet it did. I'm going to say, I'll go out on a limb because the coach wouldn't do it. That call on that 
Creighton San Diego State game sucked. Um, yeah, I think it was a uh, I think it was a foul, but was it? Uh, but given the way the game was called the the whole game through, um, I, I I understand the complaint. Uh, but when, when, hey, when a guy's floating in the air and you give him a little shove on the hip, that's enough to make him miss the shot. I will bet you your finest beer that the ref thought he hit his arm, that he he did not call the hip shot. Well, I I would not, you know, that's just speculation. I wouldn't know. Well, when you only call fifteen fouls the whole way, there well, had yeah, to be, that's yeah, what I said. Yeah. The way the game was called, you 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 could argue that it was inappropriate, but. Uh, but in term, but you know whether whether it really was a foul according to the rules, it was, and you know I've I've always maintained when you know the the and, and Barkley was big on this, saying well you don't call that foul in that situation. I understand it, but I think when you, you're deciding the game just as much by not calling a foul as you would be by call, calling a foul. So, well, if the guy would have landed on his neck, I would have I would have called it, but it looked like he didn't even bother him. Maybe yeah, I, I understand. I understand, but again. You know, because because neither you nor I know what it's like to be up in the air like that. Uh, um, you know, a little push. It doesn't. It doesn't take much, but a little push to throw you off balance. Are you saying John and, and Greg do know what it's like to be uh, up in the air? No, I'm just talking directly to you. So right. you know, no, no. Uh, John. Well, John's probably got about a 38 inch vertical yeah. leap. So I had. I had. Um, I had. I had terminal white man's disease. I'll admit it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I've, I always said, you know, I I I, I had uh, my basketball skill set was that you know I, I usually say first thing is uh, a six foot body and center skills, but truth be told, I had backup center skills. Oh God, SP futures of Erwin Muller skills. Yeah, <laughs> SP futures of twenty five days of thirty five. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Greg Pappas on the board. SP futures up 26. Nasdaq futures up 38. Dow futures up 220. We're trying to make a, a move here towards uh, uh, stability in the banking. Thing. And they actually, they actually got a deal for this uh, SVB bank. First citizens out of Carolina took them over, and the FDIC is taking some of the loans and uh, some of the assets. And uh, it looks like it's a, it's a done deal. And they're opening today uh, all the locations. So I guess I, mean, I actually think that's a pretty good thing. Uh, and then Europe seems to have settled down a little bit with the, uh, uh, except for the, and I haven't really heard anything bad about Deutsche Bank over the weekend, except people saying how strong they are. So. I think we've got that somewhat resolved, at least for a little bit. Uh, who knows if it's forever, but let's hope it is. DAX up 192, 1.3%. FTSE up 68.9%. CAC around up 74, 1.1%. So strong strong across the board there. Not so much in, a- in Asia. Nikkei up 91 points. It's 0.3%. Hang Seng down 347, 1.75%. Shanghai down 14.44%. Uh, they had issues, uh, articles this weekend regarding... Oh, their mid mid-sized banking system is in total disarray. So, but how do you but how do you how do you figure that? Plus, I don't think I know anybody who's invested there. Somebody might have found a way in, but nobody I know. Uh, as a wave review on Friday, S and P was up 22, Nasdaq up 36. So uh, we had a big day on Friday as well. Bonds, 11 basis points, 3.49. I don't know if we'll get back to four, but they're definitely scooting up here. Same thing with the Bund, up 12 basis points, 2.24. Japanese up two basis points, 0.30. We've got oil with a little bit of a rally. Actually, uh, oh, it's up almost 2% now, 1.32 rally since the last time we did this. Up to 70.58, so pushing through 70. Up ran up 126, 76.25. Natural gas down 9 cents, 2.11. I just, uh, every time I look at my gas bill, and I see what natural gas is and what we're paying, doesn't bother, it bothers me. Uh, our Bob up two cents, two sixty one. We've got gold down twenty five bucks, down nineteen fifty eight. Never gets to that two thousand boy. Just wants to come right off. Silver down uh, eight cents, twenty three twenty five. Either gonna bust through one of these days or just never make it. Copper unchanged at four oh six. We've got Bitcoin down twenty four bucks, twenty seven thousand eight twenty two, and the U S dollar slightly, uh, slightly down. Uh, the, the pound, the pound is a. Uh, 1.225 and the, and the euro is 1.078 so right about where it's been the last three weeks up and down but in the same range what do you got for us traffic weather sports Greg? good morning about 738 35 degrees in chicago partly cloudy until around 2 p.m sun comes out and the temp goes to about a high of 41 phoenix currently 47 about a five mile an hour breeze sun comes out around 
clear skies at 2 with a high of 72. Uh, sports. Elite 8, FAUB Kansas State, 79-76 in the East. The U, Miami, beat Texas 88-81 in Midwest region. South region, San Diego State beat Creighton 57-56. Final four starts next Saturday. Four seeds, one four seed, two five seeds, and a nine seed. FAU kicks it off San Diego against San Diego State, and after that it's Miami versus UConn. NBA, the Suns and the Bulls both won this weekend. The Suns over the 76 Bulls on a roll. They're going to win. <laughs> yeah. The Suns beat the Sixers 125-105. to Bulls beat LA in LA 118-108. NHL, Avalanche beat the Coyotes in a shootout, and the Hawks lost once at Minnesota 1-3, and again at home yesterday 4-2 against the Canucks. Can we just put a fork in the Hawks? <laughs> Not yet. There's hope. God, hope for what? Do we have on? Traffic. No, 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 oh, we got right. traffic. All right. <laughs> in- We'll get to you in a second, Art. Inbound Kennedy from O'Hare is about 52 minutes. Kennedy um, Kennedy to Montrose is about 31. On the Edens, inbound Edens to Deerfield, 41 minutes. And outbound Edens, I'm 290 to Deerfield, probably about 26 minutes. Eisenhower, 41 from Thorndale to Jane Byrne Interchange. And I-50... 55 inbound Stevenson from I-355 to the Dan Ryan about 34 minutes. That's all we got, Chief. And we have one. We still have John. We're uh, we're a little light, but uh, Greg will push you guys up in a second. We'll see if our producer can fix that. I'm sure he can. All right, let's try again. Uh, Try again, guys. How about testing one, two, three? Testing Testing one. one. Hey, uh, uh, good to have you guys. The the, the Bodie is here. Um, I have a question. Uh, we want to definitely want to cover the retail stuff with uh, uh, with Odd because that's her strongest suit. But she's strong other ways too. And John, what is we were sitting in the well in our favorite spot in the Series Cafe last week, and uh, my question is: these buildings now have all, well, not all, but there's how many have been foreclosure downtown, John? There's a bunch, and it's I use a Catholic term. What, what they're sort of in limbo. Where does that put them? I mean, can you actively recruit new tenants? Can you give them a 10-year lease, knowing that there may be a new owner and might want to turn the place into, you know, condos? I mean, what what can you even do? Uh, well, Jan first and then Audrey. I mean, it, is, does it put you in a, a totally misrepresented or a, just a screwed-up position? I mean, what... And I know we did, just, we had a lease in 175 years and years ago when the guys bought the building. They said they could boot us out. And we said, you haven't, you're not doing anything. You're not, you're not well, they ended up remodeling. But we managed to hang in there for two years with a great lease before we finally left. But what is, what, what would you do if you're the marketing person right now for the Board of Trade building or 175 or John? You could probably nail, you could probably name, you know, 10 other buildings that are in the same mess. What do you even do? Well, with such a, an explosion of vacancies, um, all at the same time, and, and all for the same reason. So, and it isn't going to improve all at once, probably either. I think you know, there's there's such a glut now of of office property that you can probably get, you know, these deals if you're looking for space. But I don't know who would be looking for space downtown um, in this kind of business climate. So you're, you're going to see rents, you know, drop. You'll see people who, you know, it, it might benefit people who are on. Sort of the fence about what to do. 
and they might be able to pick up additional space in their building, assuming the building is still functioning, you know, and it's got enough traffic in it to make it worthwhile staying there, you probably expand um, and do it you know, more cheaply now. And the landlords, which are now the banks that are holding the paper on this property, would be thrilled to have you expanding your, your rental space, even at a reduced rate. Um, but I don't think it's bottomed out yet, and I don't know when it will. And until it does, I, I don't think you're going to see any kind of a big turnaround. I just I don't think there's much to attract people to downtown office space now. I think the, the trend is still in the opposite direction. People are getting out of the loop if you, if you want to run a business. Um, and until more people come back to work and the loop becomes safer for people to walk around and you know, join the city and I don't see this changing very fast. Well, I'm going to say, and uh, mm-hmm. well, I'd feel free to pipe, pipe in here. What's the building that has the uh, the fancy steak joint, uh, prime cut or prime something? Uh, oh, the one, on the, the one on the river? Yeah. Yeah, the big law firm moved out, That's Chicago moved cut. out of there. Chicago cut. But it's, it's, Chicago that, was, cut. that was exactly my point. When Greg just said, so if, I, if I'm, uh, you know, Greg, John, and Audrey law firm, and I've had, I've had a 12-year lease there, and paying huge top dollar because it was a brand new building and all of a sudden I'm looking around maybe I don't need as much space maybe I'm looking to expand who the hell knows I, I have to believe that the you know the the uh, the Board of Trade building or or 425 or 175 will, they'll watch your kids for 10 years if you move in they'll give you anything to, to, I mean I, I gotta believe they'll build it oh, my, I guess well you have to believe they would but but can they I mean I mean, you, you hear all kinds of stuff about how we're going to turn these into apartments. I mean, could the Board of Trade tell somebody this is what we're going to look like 12 years from now and make it stick? And then do a one-year build-out for somebody, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, seven floors taken care of. It leaves you, you know, 22 more. I mean, uh, uh, and plus a whole annex. I mean, can you even – I guess my question is, can you even make the commitment to somebody knowing the mess that you're in? I think that is, I, it's a huge mess because, again – why are you going to build condos for the people who don't want to be downtown? Well, I'm just and saying those businesses are... that aren't going to be downtown. Can you imagine having to demolish some buildings, high rises? Well, I, don't, I can't imagine it because of the cost of replacement. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I well, would you even replace it? Maybe. Well, I guess I mean, my point it's, is, it's who do you frightening thought? Can, can you technically, both of you guys, because you're in the business, can you sign a 20 year lease with the the bank or whoever owns the mortgage? I mean, there's not even an owner, is there? Or they well, well, it's a short-term owner. I mean, the, the bank would like to be a really sh- short-term owner, and they might be happy to sign a 12-year lease with you and have no clue if they'll be around in three or four years as the owner or as a bank either at the rate things are going. Um, and I think there's going to be a, a consolidation of a lot of these properties as the banking business consolidates too. And I don't, I don't think that's going to be good for you know, developing business district again either because you're going to have more and more buildings that are in the same boat that are being managed by people who are not in the management business and if they go under there's no way to unload these banks to you know enough receivers to keep the things safe for anybody to continue to rent space in. Well, the, in the, in the so lease though doesn't it say if there's no ownership they can boot your ass well not in residential you can't you have to honor the terms of the lease in commercial I don't know uh, if there depends what kind of clause you put in but you're right. If somebody's got a half piecemeal of one type of tenant and the potential owner wants to go another way, then you have a conflict in sales. So do you rent it? Do you lease it empty? Do you give people short-term cheap leases while you're trying to unload it? I would say, oh, there's my assistant piping in. Um, so I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a real quandary 
and to see what what they're going to do with it. But uh, in residential, you kind of really. <laughs> Sorry. I can tell, but it's the poodle. The, uh... the squirrels are squirrels are at the front window, and the puppy doesn't like it. Oh, I can imagine. She's a great squirrel dog. But uh, but but on, on the on the re, on the on the residential side, no matter what, the lease takes precedence, right? Isn't that the way it works? Uh, Jan, we're already probably shaking our yeah, But you know, if, if for a commercial building, it would be great for a lender to say, "Here's my rent roll. I've got all these leases. Maybe they're not, you know, stupendously big rents that are coming in, but I've got you know performing leases. That's that's cash flow. That makes the building." More attractive, and the more the more tenants you have, of course, the more attractive it is to more and more purchasers because they know they're walking into income situation. So, I don't think they want to change the function. That's where it would be a bugaboo if they don't want, if they wanted to do it. But I think, yeah, I think one thing they could maybe do uh, to attract some people if you get like a building like a Sears Tower, I mean, all that space, and to cater to people who maybe want to be downtown but are afraid of the loop and don't want to be there. I, I could see some of these buildings similar to some of the luxury high-rises on, you know, in Lincoln Park and uh, Lakeshore Drive where they are self-contained where your grocery store is inside there in your your workout and you know, a few retail shops and you get people who then don't have to leave the building and but it's all just a vicious circle and I think it'd be a lot easier to clean up the uh, start cleaning up the crime in the neighborhoods than it is to reinvent Chicago. Yep, I agree. Well, for the listeners that don't, you guys, uh, even though you're both young, you probably remember these days. When I when I worked for Pullman, they had a couple of guys that came in. They were consultants. They were with uh, Day and Zimmerman was the name of the place, because I know that because I ended up working for them for a while because they hired me back as a consultant when Pullman got rid of everybody. And uh, they had two or three people. They all lived in uh, Lake Point Tower, which, as that Audrey describes, is essentially a, a self-contained city. The food store, there's a swimming pool, there's a workout facility, there's like a how many acre park right out back of the thing. Right. Uh, and all these guys came to Chicago. And right out of Lake Michigan. Yeah, and then people, but people moved to the city in those days, you didn't want any part of the city. It was, to a certain extent, it was way worse than now. The only place that single people lived, especially single women, was Clark and Division. And mostly it was all stewardesses because they could hop on the, uh, there was no L down the, or rapid transit down to Kennedy. There was a bus that left from what, the Ambassador East Gen? So all the, yep. all the ladies would hop on the bus, and they'd head out to O'Hare through the bus. It was the safest way to get there. But you didn't. There was nobody downtown. I mean, I thought of anybody living there. There were no dorms. There was nothing like that. It was. I used to. Uh, these guys were looking for another poker player. So one night a week, I'd go down there and play poker. Well, the, the bottom part of Lake Point Towers where Navy Pier is. Navy Pier was was empty. Right. I, I used to park down right. on the street by myself. I was the only car on the block in my old Oldsmobile. In the, in the parking meter for the first two hours before it was nine o'clock, was it was a penny for twelve cents, Jen? So I have yeah. to bring a bunch of pennies. I get myself an hour and a half to park, and then after that, I was okay. I was the only, only car there, and the idiots would come by and give me a five-hour ticket. I had to put the penny in the thing. But the, uh, and it, it, the the downtown was a ghost town during at night. Nobody nobody was down there, and now it's. It, but you know, the thing it was, it wasn't violent like now. You know, but you weren't afraid to be here. You just were the only person here. I mean, literally. Uh, but no, now, because at that time the stores, uh, you know, Marshall Fields and uh, you know Carson's and all all the retail stores, uh, they closed early. They yeah. weren't like they were open until nine o'clock. They were closed at, you know, five, six, seven, depending on what day of the week it was. And but the, the lunchtime they were mobbed. 
they were people, mobs. There were the restaurants people. and everybody, all the office workers actually had a lot of people actually went to lunch in, in those days. Oh, yeah, they always went out to lunch. Lunch hour, or there were the three martini lunches. So all those places were flourishing. Greg, and if you were a male with a pulse and were just walking along, you found a way, even though you had no reason to, you found a way to cut through Marshall Fields at lunchtime. Because the, downst- <laughs> the downstairs was all the different uh, aisles with all the different perfumes and all the cool stuff for, for the ladies downstairs. I tell you what. Every good-looking girl in the, in the world was in Marshall Fields at lunchtime, weren't they, Ed? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you walk through. That was the, a place to go. Oh, yeah, but you just, well, you just walk through because you didn't want to look like a pervert, you know, staring at people. But just <laughs> but if you, if you had to go through, you didn't walk around the building. You walked through it. Let's just put it that way. Uh, you would say you were on your way to the men's department on Wabash. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to the men's department on Wabash. <laughs> Could you get across the alley to get in the men's department, right, Chad? I like this idea. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought it was a very good trend, Tom, when people did start moving downtown. Because, you know, if you happen to be in the loop, say, at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, unlike the way it was in the 60s and 70s, you would see people walking their dogs. You would see yeah. families out with their baby strollers. You, you would see things you never saw downtown. And it, it looked like a neighborhood, which, yep. you know, as more and more buildings became, you know, unprofitable for office space, they converted to residential space, and there were people who were very attracted to that kind of living. And I thought that was, you know, the, the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, this seemed to be a very positive trend because the Loop had more foot traffic, even though it had lost most of the movie theaters, all the all the movie theaters, really. That was a shame. <laughs> yeah. But that, was, but, that was because of, uh, you know, Blockbuster and the Netflix, and it was easier to be home. And Right. Well, they took down that, the, the well... Was a lo- huge list of them, but the the city couldn't wait to take down Block, block Fifty Two. Was it fifty? Was the one where? Uh, was it Twenty Two? I thought it was Fifty One on State Street. Block Thirty Seven, the one where. Um, That's it. Yeah. The one that did Dearborn and um, just over halfway over to State and Washington to Randolph that laid you know empty for so many years. <laughs> they ended up putting a skating rink in there. The only thing yeah. there was a wasn't there a Commonwealth Edison. Uh, Substation. Substation. Yeah. It was the only thing that didn't come down. But they couldn't wait to tear the thing down. There had to be three or four movie theaters on that block. And all of a sudden... And, and landmark buildings. Yeah. It was built shortly after the fire that are irreplaceable. And what, was it two decades before the first thing went yeah. up? It just yeah. was this huge empty so, block. So smart. But uh, what... Uh, if you walk through the, through the interior of that two times, the last time I was in, it, it was completely unfinished. And it was oh, really? Somewhere, kind of. Well, I mean, the the... the, the the, the lack of any kind of governmental foresight. I guess my, my next question is the places downtown. I mean, to, to be to be truthful, a lot of these places were on the on the edge of going because of the taxes. Right. I mean, uh, well, you certainly remembered it. In one seventy five, one of their anchor tenants was the CVS, and they had I don't know how many square feet would you think that is? You're better net than me. They had the whole uh, uh, northeast corner, right? Yeah. Of the place and. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm not, I can't imagine how many thousand prescriptions that place had. Yeah. And I it was, mean, it, yeah. it, it was, was a big, was that was a big, build, a big area. And their, their rent was, uh, I happen to know this because I know the guy who ran the building, their rent was seventeen five a month, which they didn't, they didn't have any bitch with whatsoever. But what's, what's the lease where you, your lease goes up with the taxes and other stuff, water bill and stuff? Net yeah, the net lease. Net net or what, what they call it, net net gen or something? I don't yeah, know. net lease, net lease. So... It got to the point where after like 10 years, their extra was a quarter million dollars a year. Their extra was more than the, than the rent, or about the same amount. And they, when they went to renegotiate the lease, the building, they go, look, you got to 
you got to lower our lease. We're, we're up to like thirty grand a month or thirty-two. And they said we can't do it. And they were that place. How, how many items of stuff in there in a, in a drugstore? Not just a pharmacy. Uh, little bottles of eye drops, and, and I can't imagine what they they had all that stuff packed and gone in a week. I don't know how many people showed up in the middle of the night. How many nights it was just gone? And I'm sitting there going. How the hell is a building ever going to replace that? Which, which obviously they haven't. Now it seems to me, Jen, that the that the city is going to have to really cut back on these taxes to, to get anybody to come down here. Otherwise, they can't give the deals that I think it would take to get people here. Well, they, they can't build affordable housing with unaffordable property taxes, yeah. where some landlord is stuck trying to hold the thing together, and the the low income housing that's been set aside for people in these converted buildings isn't going to create enough cash flow to make these buildings as profitable as they used to be. And the thing to remember is that with, with big tax revenue from the downtown areas, it took the heat off of the other neighborhoods. But but imagine with all the buildings in default and the tax revenue that isn't coming in on a lot of these buildings is putting pressure on every homeowner oh, yeah. or business or the rest of the city. It's like you lost the world's largest shopping mall in the town and there's no other revenue to replace it. Exactly, and and you, there's no way people are going to stick around and try to make up for that kind of hole. So it's, it's got the property taxes are a huge part of this, and I don't really hear any kind of comprehensive plan to to drive enough business. It's, it's going to take businesses to come back to downtown to pay the kind of taxes. well. What, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, a lot of a lot of your taxes are based on. And there's no point. Uh, yeah, and the rents. If you're not getting right. rents, where are the taxes coming from? I mean, it's which right. comes first. Hey, I, I, uh, real quick, you haven't, you, haven't had, you haven't had a chance to talk that much. What is the banking crisis, since I wasn't your way this weekend, you were my way. Uh, Audrey actually came to the city, John. Believe that? All right, so I took my one shot. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> never never coming back. Your dogs never loved it. Back. Your dogs loved it. You know, uh, anyway. Too crowded. The, uh, too crowded, too noisy. Was, the reason why I was noisy is all your dogs did was bark. Just saying. So guard, guard your place against burglars. Yes, yes. But what what is the, the, the mood out? I don't see anybody making a run at you know Orland Banks or anything like that. I mean, i got to believe people out there don't think any of their banks are in trouble, do they? Well, not that I, I know of. I haven't seen, uh, haven't heard any talk about that. It uh, seems to be, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, uh, pretty quiet out here. And you're still you're still bumping usual, along. You never know what's simmering under the surface anywhere, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I think it's going to be a very very interesting, and I think there's a lot more percolating in the whole world that we're actually privy to at this very moment. Well, your your business, you're still people still buying, people still selling. You got some people that have transferred in there looking for places, and you. Got Real a few... estate is great. Uh, we're busy here. Uh, so we still have uh, multiple offers on properties. On, if you've got a nice property listed, uh, you're bound to get extra bids on it. So there's, again, to this whole area, we still have a shortage of uh, good listings, and people are, are, of course, not willing to part with that uh, 3% mortgage if they don't have to. So unless it's going to be uh, somebody moving because they have to or it's an estate sale, then they're they're hunkering down right now. So people are getting premium prices for their homes if they do sell them right now. Um, but you don't. There's. But you guys never. You never spun up to like a regular house being a million dollars. You never had the the craziness to start with. So your prices are still normal where you are, right? 
normal. Well, we still had, yeah, we've had a wonderful price appreciation from people out here. Uh, but the mid, the the Midwest in general did not follow the, of course, doesn't follow the East and West Coast trends. We tend to, Midwest is much more stable. We don't see that, uh, it's like the, how much is San Francisco off now? I don't know. 20, they're, off like, yeah, they're off like 20, 30% in some yeah, areas. We, we haven't had that here. So, you know, so far uh, it's been stabilized right now. Like I said, extreme shortage of inventory. So, and six, uh, six we'll get a few more. I still, I still have about five buyers with I need to get into something myself, and I'm sure my other agents, uh, friends are in the same boat. We have some buyers ready to buy, but unfortunately, nothing to sell them right now. So that's the big quandary down here. Well, if you got somebody up north, tell them to give Jan a bid. He'll leave. He'll sell this place. <laughs> Where will I go, Tom? Well, you I have know. to have some place to go. That's the problem. Yep. The rents are uh, rent is astronomical, so you're going to pay twice as much rent as you are to buy, at least around here. So. I don't know if that's such a good idea. That's why people are sitting tight right now. Well, after that horrendous, if anybody hasn't seen some of the shots in this tornado down in Mississippi, it's really, really awful. But I bet you get some land cheap down there, Jen. Just yeah. yeah, those oh, people, those poor, those those poor, poor people. people, yeah, that's that's really something. I mean, that, that, there's not anything left standing at all in, in, in those yeah. areas. It's like that that tornado hit Illinois years ago. It was like the thing was on the... <laughs> Was on the ground People for an hour. Don't realize what Mother Nature can do until she does it, and so I've seen a couple of tornadoes. One of them way too close and personal, and it is a terrifying experience when you actually see that power coming at you. We were driving along real quick because we got a dash. We were driving across Nebraska one night. Oh, my, we were going skiing, my two nephews, and you could see Jan and Audrey. The, the 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 sky looked really really weird. In a couple spots, you could see this. It start to circle. And it would come down and go right back up. They would. They kept looking like they were trying to become tornadoes and, and kind of didn't. And people were all over the radio. The best was some guy. Every every place you went, you hooked on to the next station, an AM station. They had people calling in, what the temp, what was going on with the weather. You know, everybody's you know in every area. So some guy calls in. He goes, "There's a funnel cloud. Uh, I'm seeing a funnel cloud right now." And the lady says, "Where are you?" I guess the guy says. Well, I'm in my truck. And she goes, well, where's your truck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm in my truck was the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Just goes to show you. <laughs> anyway, on that note, SP Futures up 20. Thanks, both of you guys. Good stuff. Uh, SP Futures up 24. And by the way, Audrey, how can I find you? Shameless. Uh, shameless. You said email me at AudreyJohnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-846-6494. All right, thanks, guys. SP Futures up 25. Nancy Futures up 33. We're still hanging in there. Hopefully we'll stay up the whole day. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Hundred and six miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark. 
and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 